Uh, do we have any teachers here? A couple of teachers? Well, happy summer to you. Fantastic. You made it. Summer is 10 weeks long. Do we have any parents here? I'm sorry. Summer is 10 weeks long. You've got your kids for 10 weeks. How, how great is that? Um, welcome to Epic. Glad that you are here today. We are starting a new series that I am really excited about. It's a, a series that we're going to explore over the next six weeks, and we are going to look into one of the most profound letters written in the New Testament part of the Bible. We are going to explore together the letter to the Romans. And I think it's got a lot of great information in it that can really change our lives forever if you really study this, this book together deeply. So I would love it if you would grab a copy of a Bible. So if you had a copy of a Bible in your hand, I think it'd be fantastic, whether that's the Bible you brought with you. Uh, if you need a Bible, we have Bibles at the back of our each seating section that you could grab. If you have a Bible app on your phone, feel free to pull that up. If you don't, feel free to download one now. That'd be fantastic. Um, if you have a copy of the Bible in front of you, what happens is you have a better chance later when you're reading through the Bible and you come across some of these verses that we're looking at of remembering them and then being more familiar next time as you're reading through that section of the Bible. So if you want to learn the Bible, a great way to do that is just have a copy or you can open up. We're going to show uh, the verses on the screens as well, but a great way to learn it is just be reading it and then later you can go back to it and, and bookmark it. So Romans is found on page 857 in our paperback Bibles. And now would be a great time to grab one of those if you need to. Now, let me give you a quick message disclaimer, OK, for today. This message contains some great news, some great life-changing news that can radically change your forever. But this message, if you're a Christ follower, has a heavy message. And you're probably not going to walk out of here with the warm fuzzies. Yeah, I'm not going to use a lot of humor. I'm not going to tell a lot of personal stories. So it's just going to be straight from Romans. Uh, so as, as you process through this message today, just know that Paul's got some heavy things to say to us if you are a Christ follower. Now, if you don't consider yourself to be a Christ follower, and I know that each week we get folks that come that say, you know what, I'm not a Christ follower not a part of that, that group, but maybe just exploring Christianity, possibly, maybe just exploring what it might look like for them to be in a relationship with God, maybe just checking church out for the first time. Some people come because they lost a bet, you know, like, hey, if you come to church with me, then, uh, or someone promised you lunch or something like that. So if you're here under, under that uh, uh, understanding, I think this series is a great series for you, and here's why. The book of Romans contains the core doctrines of the faith. You can take the Bible and condense it down into Romans, it's like a mini version of the Bible. So if you are really interested, if you want to explore what Christianity is all about, if you're curious what a real relationship with Jesus like Jesus Christ might be like for you, then this is a great series for you. You'll be able to really explore what it might be for you to be in a real relationship with a God who loves you very much. So I'm glad that you're here, um, and I hope that lunch tastes really good. I hope lunch is worth it. Um, now, as you're going to see, it's not going to be possible for us to dig deeply into the book of Romans and hit every 
thing that's there. There's so much that's, that's in this book. So as we walk through Romans over the next six weeks, we're going to pause in a few areas and drill down into maybe a word or two or a, a verse, and then we're going to skip over some others to try to capture the overall themes in this book. So that's our goal. So there's going to be some things that we're going to miss, and some of you are going to say, well, why did we miss that? And again, we're trying to hit the overall themes that are in this book. Now, today's going to be more of an introduction to this letter and the author. So as we dive in, I would like us to pause for a quick word of prayer. And there's a couple of things I want us to pray for. Number one is we've got a mission team that's now in Guatemala. They got there yesterday. And let's see, they're a couple hours behind us. So they're probably getting ready to go into a church service down there. A partner church that we have down there is Iglesia del Camino. And they'll be going to a bilingual service today. And then they'll be exploring the city of Antigua. And then tomorrow they start their work there. They will be building two homes for homeless families. And they'll be working with children um, that are malnourished. And I think they might be in a few orphanages. So um, let's just pray for them as they're there this week. For some of our team, this is their first time out of the United States bubble. And so they need lots of prayer and encouragement as they're in in unfamiliar territory. And then um, I want us to pray for us as we are reading through Romans. Romans, all of the Bible, is God's thoughts captured in print for us. So if you want to know what God's thinking, if you want to know what God wants you to do, place to turn is the Bible. So we're going to be reading the actual thoughts of God for us, things that God wants us to know, things that God wants us to do. So as we read that, we really want to be taught by him. So we're going to ask God to teach us today as we look into Romans. So let's pray together. God, we start our our prayer this morning for our team that's in Guatemala, and we're so grateful for them being willing, Lord, to take a week out of their lives. We're all so busy, and we understand how difficult that can, can be. And yet they've, they've taken a week out of, out of their normal routines. A lot of them have saved and saved and saved to go on this trip. They've been planning this trip for more than six months. And Lord, my prayer is that as this team is there in Guatemala this week, they will come home radically different. Lord, that they will see what it means to really serve people around the world And they'll have a new perspective of our role as Christians in a world that desperately needs Jesus. So we pray for safety for them. We pray for many opportunities to share their faith. And we pray, Lord, that they will really understand what what Jesus, you meant when you said, you know what, it's much better to give than it is to receive. And Lord, we pray for us this morning as we gather to explore the book of Romans. Lord, powerful letter that has been written that still has an incredible impact on our lives today and captures this good news that is beyond our wildest imagination. So God, we ask you to teach us today. Teach us through your powerful word. In Jesus' name, amen. Okay, Romans chapter 1, found on page 857 in our paperback Bibles. Now, for those of you, if you are new to reading the Bible, here's a couple of numbers that you'll see on most pages in the Bible. There are larger numbers that represent chapters, which we are familiar with in most books that we read, but there are smaller numbers that represent verses, which is something we don't see in very many books. So we're going to start in Romans chapter 1, verse 1. And it starts by saying this, 
This letter is from Paul. And we're going to pause there. I'm going to talk a little bit about Paul so you have a little bit of understanding of who he is as we walk through this series. Now, Paul was probably the most influential guy in the spread of Christianity around the known world at that time. He wrote most of the letters in the New Testament part of the Bible. It's a part of the Bible written after the life of Jesus. So he wrote most of those letters, and he is credited with starting many churches, New Testament churches, around the known world at that time. Paul was probably, I think, one of those guys that God used to radically impact millions of people's lives, and is still today impacting millions of people's lives through his writing and through his life. Now, you would think that with that kind of influence, that Paul would have been one of Jesus' early followers. But that was not the case. You see, Paul, his former name was Saul. He used to go by the name of Saul. And as Saul, he was a Pharisee. And a Pharisee was a prominent religious leader in that day. They had a lot of power. They had a lot of clout uh, when it came to their communities. And the Pharisees, most of them, hated Jesus. They hated his message. They they did not believe that he was God in the flesh. They did not want anyone following him. So many of the Pharisees came up with this idea, we have got to kill Jesus. We have got to put an end to this Jesus movement. And so Paul was kind of the front runner. Saul was kind of the front runner in that. There was like nothing that Saul would not do to stop this Jesus movement. He would have Christians beaten. He would have Christians put in jail. He even had Christians murdered. So Saul was somebody like, you didn't really want to be around Saul. If you were a Christ follower, you wanted to avoid Saul as much as possible. One day, Saul was on a trip to Damascus, and he was going there specifically to walk around the town, find Christians, and have them arrested. That was his purpose. So he has a group of people going with him. And on his journey there, he gets uh, interrupted and he meets the risen Jesus. So this is after Jesus' death, burial, and resurrection. So they're walking down this road. This bright light shines on the path. Paul is blinded. Saul is blinded. He can't see. And he hears someone ask this, Saul, Saul, why are you persecuting me? So here is Saul. He's blind. He can't see. He's terrified. No idea what's going on. Here's this person saying this. And he says, who? Who is this? Who's speaking? And Jesus responds in Acts 9.5, I am Jesus, the one you are persecuting. Now get up and go into the city, and you will be told what you must do. So here's Saul, blind, can't make his way, gets a little help into the city. And God sends a man named Ananias to talk to Saul. And in Acts 9, 17, Ananias says, Brother Saul, the Lord Jesus who appeared to you on the road has sent me so that you might regain your sight and be filled with the Holy Spirit. Verse 18 says, instantly something like scales fell from Saul's eyes and he regained his sight. Then he got up and was baptized. Major statement. Here is this guy who is totally against Christ. And he then gets baptized, demonstrating to all the people around him, I am now a Christ follower. I am now part of his group. 
So Saul has this radical, life-changing encounter with Jesus, and he's never the same. From that moment on, he's radically different. From that moment on, he spends the rest of his life telling people about the good news of Jesus. So as much as he was against Jesus, he was even more for Jesus after that encounter. Shortly after he became a Christ follower, he started going by the name of Paul instead of Saul. Now, when I think of Saul, Paul's story, it makes me think of some stories that I know of today. Um, Don't raise your hand, but you might know of someone in your life that you would say, that person will never change. That person will never give their heart to Jesus. That person will never come to church with me. That person will never become a follower of Jesus. Now, I think most of us know somebody like that. When I hear somebody say to me, hey, that person's never going to change, I think of Paul. And I think, you know what? There's always hope. Everybody is just one life-changing moment away from a real relationship with a God who loves them. So if you know somebody like that, if they're in your life, never give up hope. There's always hope that they'll have an encounter with the risen Jesus and become like a Paul instead of a Saul. Now, Paul continued by introducing himself as a slave of Christ Jesus. It's an interesting description that he uses there. I don't know too many people other than than Paul in this moment who would say, hey, I'm a slave and be proud of that. In that culture, I mean, I I don't know any culture that anybody would say, you know what, I'm, I'm, I'm proud to be a slave. Now, when Paul described himself as a slave, he used a very specific Greek word in order to do that. He used the word doulos. And that word means the, slowest, the, the lowest form of slavery. He could have used several different terms to describe himself in that context, but he didn't. He used this term that says it was someone who was born a slave. They had never known freedom and would never know freedom. Paul could have used a different terminology. He could have talked about someone who had been kidnapped and sold into slavery, something that happened that day still happens today. Sad reality. People are still kidnapped and sold into slavery today. He could have described someone who had sold themselves into slavery. It's kind of a weird concept, but um, in that day, if, if you were in debt to someone, you could sell yourself into slavery to get out of that debt. Um, That's not how he described it. So Paul says, listen, I'm someone who really, in the context of my relationship with God, I'm a slave of his, the lowest form of slavery to Jesus Christ. Now, in Paul's first three letters, Galatians, 1 and 2 Corinthians, uh, these are letters that he had written before Romans. He introduced himself as an apostle, Now, an apostle is a term of authority in Christianity. So it meant that he'd been chosen by the risen Savior for a special message. So his first three letters, he pulls the I'm an apostle card and writes his letter and says, hey, I'm Paul, I'm an apostle in in that context. I have been um, chosen by the risen Savior for a special message. Let me tell you what that's all about. And we get to Romans 
Paul says, I'm a slave. I'm, a, I'm just a slave. I'm the lowest form of slave to Jesus. Now, I think when Paul was writing his letters, he would write them, and at times he would select his title based upon his audience, who he was writing to. So there were moments, I think, that Paul wrote that I'm an apostle to get immediate respect from the people who were reading his letter. But I also think the longer that Paul walked with Jesus, the more in awe of him he was, the more in awe of what Jesus had really done for him. I mean, I think that there was this realization that he was headed in a path away from God and Jesus stopped him in the middle of the road and turned his life around. And so I think the more that Paul walked with Jesus, the more he was just in awe of God's incredible grace for him. Now here's a question for us. If you're a Christ follower, do you see yourself the way Paul saw himself? Do you see yourself as a slave to Jesus? Would you describe yourself that way? See, slaves don't have choices. Slaves don't wake up in the morning and say, you know what, it's a sunny day, I think I'm gonna go to the beach today. No, slaves wake up and do whatever their master asks them to do that day. Now, we Americans, even American Christians, like, we don't like that thought. We don't want anybody telling us what to do. You know, we're our own boss. But in the context of what we were reading, Paul says, I'm a slave. Whatever God tells me to do, that's what I'm going to do. So in the first 10 words of his introduction to Romans, he says, listen, I found the secret to life. It's doing anything and everything my master tells me to do. No questions. No questions asked. When he speaks, I do it. I respond. I'm, I'm a slave of his I'm willing to do anything and everything my God asks me to do. If you consider yourself to be a Christ follower, do you see yourself that way? Do you live your life that way? Do you obey the things that God is asking you to do? Do you forgive people when you need to? Like last week, we were looking at resolving family conflicts. And I know many of us have those. Like, have you done anything to resolve those family conflicts. That's what a slave does. That's what a true follower of Jesus does whatever master asks us to do. So in your life, as you are interacting with God and you come across things in the Bible that are hard or difficult, do you pick and choose the things that you want to do? Oh, I like that one. You know, that gives me you know, a good pat on the back. It makes me look really good when people see me do that. Don't like this one over here, so I'll probably just navigate away from that. Act like I get it, but I'm not really going to do it. Do you pick and choose through the Bible or do you do whatever your master asks you to do? Now, it's interesting about Paul's description. The interesting thing is that Jesus doesn't call us slaves. In John 15, Jesus, God in the flesh, calls us his friends. And in Hebrews chapter 12, God calls us his children. So God doesn't see us as slaves. He's not looking at us in that context He's looking at us as, as kids that he wants to guide and bless. That's our relationship with the creator of the universe. He says, listen, you've been adopted into my family. That's some amazing good news. And I want to bless you and I want to guide you. So this morning, can you call yourself a child of God? Have you put your faith and trust in Jesus as your Lord and Savior? 
If you haven't done that, I strongly encourage you to. Now, we've made it about 10 words into Romans. So if you've got some time, we might make it to verse 2. All right, so here we go. Verse 1 again. This letter is from Paul, a slave of Christ Jesus, chosen by God to be an apostle. So here's that apostle thing. And sent out to preach his good news. Now, Romans is about God's good news. So we're going to explore that together in this series. It's good news that can transform all of our lives. And Paul says in verse 2, God promised this good news long ago through his prophets in the Holy Scriptures. The good news is about his son. We have to pay special attention to that. It's always, the good news is always about Jesus. Verse 3 continues, in his earthly life, he was born into King David's family line. Now, that's uh, important because that was predicted that it would happen, and it happened. Verse 4, and he has shown to be the son of God when he was raised from the dead by the power of the Holy Spirit. Now, we're going to explore that just a little bit next week. He is Jesus Christ, our Lord. Verse five, through Christ, God has given us the privilege and authority as apostles to tell Gentiles everywhere what God has done for them so that they will believe and obey him, bringing glory to his name. Now, at that time, what Paul just said was a radical new statement. You see, at that time, prior to that, the good news was for the Jews, So if you were not a Jew, then the good news was not for you. But after Jesus' death, burial, and resurrection, that good news was offered to Gentiles. So Gentile is anyone who is not a Jew. So if you are not a Jew, then you are considered a Gentile in this context. And I would think that most of us are Gentiles. One of Paul's primary missions in life after becoming a Christ follower was to be an apostle to the Jews. So apostle means one who was sent. So he was one who was sent to the Gentiles. Paul spent most of his time teaching Gentiles how to come into a real relationship with the God who loves them. A radical thought that people are going, it's not possible to have a relationship with God. Why would you even say that? Paul's come along and said, it's possible And it's possible for Gentiles to have a relationship with the God who loves them. So I am so incredibly grateful that God opened the good news to Gentiles. And I'm so incredibly grateful that Paul responded to God's message and became an apostle to us Gentiles. Now, verse 6. Listen to some of the descriptive words that are used here in this letter to who it is written. And you are included among those Gentiles who have been called to belong to Jesus Christ. And I am writing to all of you in Rome who are loved by God and are called to be his own holy people. May God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ give you grace and peace. Now here's the reality. If you have put your faith and trust in Jesus as your Lord and Savior, you have been called, you are loved by God, you are chosen by God, and you belong to Jesus. It doesn't matter who you are, it doesn't matter what you've done, it doesn't matter if you lived like Saul, it doesn't matter what your life has been like. You are loved, you are called, you are chosen, and you belong. That's part of this core message of the good news. Didn't 
deserve it. You didn't deserve it. I didn't deserve it. We didn't deserve it. And God says, you're chosen. You're called. You belong. Now, verse 7 ends Paul's introduction. And this introduction in Romans is a little bit longer than some of his normal writings. But typically, we would write a letter and say, to so-and-so, and then we would put our name at the very end of the letter. In Bible days, how they would write those is, right away, this letter is from, you know who it was from, and then you would know who it was to, and there would be a little bit of an introduction there. So this is, follows that typical format. Now, the one thing to remember about Romans is that it was written before Paul had ever visited Rome. But Paul had been starting churches all around the Mediterranean Sea at that time, but he'd never made it to Rome. So somehow, this life-changing message of relationship with Jesus Christ had made it to Rome without really Paul's direct influence. And Paul hears about that. So he's going around starting churches. He hears about this church in Rome that's been started. In verse 8 and 9, Paul says, the whole world is talking about your faith in Jesus. So Paul's really excited. He hears about this new church, and he wants to write them a letter. And so he writes this letter, letter, I think, for two reasons. He writes it to introduce himself, like, hey, I'm Paul. Let me tell you a little bit about who I am. And then he puts in this letter the core teachings of Christianity, the core doctrines of what it means to be in a relationship with Jesus Christ. See, the Roman Christians at that time, they probably did not have the benefit of the other Christian writings that were circulating through the churches. So there are other writings that make up our New Testament part of the Bible that had been circulating through other churches that had been started but had not made it to Rome. So this letter to the Romans was probably the first piece of Christian literature that these new Christians had read. So I think that's why Paul was so specific about the core doctrines of Christianity. This is what it means to be a Christ follower. These are the doctrines that define our faith. So these new Christians, they needed that kind of guidance in their new walk with God. Now let's jump over to verse 14. I have a great sense of obligation to people in both the civilized world and the rest of the world, to the educated and the uneducated alike. So I am eager to come to you in Rome, too, to preach the good news. Now, this sense of obligation that Paul talks about carries with it this idea of repayment, that I owe it to you. So Paul felt this deep inner drive, this deep inner burden of a repayment to this group of people said, I owe it to you to tell you the good news. I owe it not only to you, I owe it to my master. I owe it to my Lord and my Savior to tell you about this life-changing news that can radically change your forever. So for Paul, he didn't care if you had a lot of letters behind your name. He didn't care if you didn't have any letters behind your name. He didn't care where you're from. He didn't care if you're from the north, south, the east, or the west. He didn't care the color of your skin. He didn't care if you were male or female. He didn't care if you were a Gentile or a Jew. Didn't matter to him. If you were around Paul, Paul had an obligation. He felt this deep burden, this deep sense of, I owe you something. I have to tell you about Jesus. It wasn't something he did in his spare time. It wasn't just a little hobby of his when the moment arised. Paul lived his life in such a way that everything he did, everyone he was around, he told people about the good news of Jesus Christ. So do you feel that same way? Do you feel that same sense of obligation to the people around you? Do you carry with you a burden, an ache in your heart for people that are around you, maybe at work, maybe at school, 
maybe on that athletic team that you're on, maybe in your family, maybe in your neighborhood? Do you carry an ache in you that I owe you something? I've got to tell you about Jesus. Like I've got to give you this information that can radically change your life. I think that all Christ followers should carry that. I think that all Christ followers should feel that sense of burden that Paul felt in this moment. Because here's the reality. The people around us, work, school, our neighborhoods, wherever, your circle of influence, if they don't put their faith and trust in Jesus as their Lord and Savior before they pass from this life into the next, they will stand before a holy God and they'll be sentenced to an eternity apart from him forever. Something that God doesn't want for anyone at all. And so if we don't tell them, then they're going to be sentenced to an eternity in this real place called hell. And I think it's going to be a very humbling moment for all of us. All of us, the Bible says, it's an appointed to all men to die. So all of us have an appointment with death one day. We're going to pass from this life into the next. We're going to stare into the eyes of a holy God. We're going to have to give an account for our lives, for how we lived our lives. And I think there'll be this split second moment of in, in, Incredible gratefulness that we're in heaven for those of us who are Christ followers. And then I think there'll be another moment of this deep burden as we look at other people that we knew, people that are in our lives right now that maybe we didn't share Christ with. I think we'll have a deep burden about our lack of sharing the good news. So that clip was from the movie Schindler's List. And it recounted the efforts of Oscar Schindler to save Jews during the Holocaust. And, you know, I think that all of us Christ followers are going to have one of those moments when we, we stand before a holy God and we look back at our lives. I think we're going to have one of those Oscar moments of saying, I could have done more. The people around us, their eternity hangs in the balance. And we might be the only Bible they ever read. We might be the only opportunity, the only person will ever tell them the good news of Jesus. And I think we'll have one of those Oscar moments where we just say, I could have done more. Why didn't I do more? Why didn't I share my faith more? Why didn't I tell more people? Why was it always about me? Why, why couldn't it have been more and more and more about Jesus and his work and his good news for people who desperately needed it? Now, I don't think we'll carry that burden for all of eternity. That wouldn't make heaven heaven if we did. I think every person, every individual carries that individual weight of whether they accept or, re or reject this good news that, that God offers. We have an obligation to tell people. And, and that obligation, I think, rests with them what they're going to do with that. Uh, but we, have a, a, we should have a deep burden to tell people what it means to experience the good news of Jesus Christ. Now, verse 16 and 17, I think, are the central verses of the entire book of Romans. And I think they could be the central verses of the entire Bible. Now, let me just read these, and then we'll unpack them for a moment. Verse 16, I am not ashamed of the good news about Christ. So pause there for just a moment. Are you ashamed? Are you ashamed of the good news? Are you afraid to let people know at work that you're a Christ follower? 
Are you afraid to tell people that you go to church? Are you afraid to invite them to church? Are you afraid to, to let people at school know that maybe you love Jesus? Paul says, listen, I'm not ashamed. I'm not ashamed of this good news. It is, it is the power of God at work, saving everyone who believes, the Jew first and also the Gentile. This good news tells us how God makes us right in his sight. This is accomplished from start to finish by faith. As the scriptures say, it is through faith that a righteous person has life. Now, again, the good news is about Jesus. It's always about Jesus. It's never about us. And this good news is the power of God at work in our lives. It's God's power. It's not our power. It isn't our abilities. It's God's abilities. We can't earn this good news. We can only receive it or reject it. The good news is God's power at work saving everyone who believes. Now, let me ask a question. Who does God make his good news available to? Everyone. Everyone. God's good news is available to everyone. It doesn't matter who you are. It doesn't matter what you've done. It doesn't matter whether you grew up in the church or this is your very first Sunday walking into the doors of a church. It doesn't matter. God makes his good news available to everyone who believes. Romans 10, 9 says, if you confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. And then John 3, 16, one of the most powerful verses in the Bible, probably one of the most popular verses in the Bible. God loved the world so much that he gave his one and only son, so that everyone who believes in him will not perish, but have eternal life. Now, as a pastor, I find that there is so much confusion out there on this subject of what it means to believe in Jesus. Many people call themselves Christians simply because their parents made them go to church when they were a kid, or simply because they try to do good things, or because they believe there's a God. Those things don't make us Christians. Those things don't make us Christ followers. And I don't think people should be confused on this. I would hate for someone to falsely think that they're going to spend eternity in heaven because they went to church as a kid and then to stand there before a holy God and hear otherwise. I don't think we should be confused on this. I think the Bible is clear. So I want you to think about this question as it relates to you for just a moment. If you were to die today, and stand before God for judgment? Would he welcome you into heaven or would he sentence you to hell? How would you answer that question for you in your life? If your answer has anything to do with being a good person, doing good things, believing there's a God, going to church, then you're putting your faith in you and what you have done for God. And when we put our faith in what we have done for God, we always fall far short. We never can bridge that gap. It's not possible when we put our faith in us. But here's the good news. When we put our faith in what God has done for us, God makes a way for us to spend eternity in heaven with him. The good news is about Jesus Christ, God in the flesh, dying so we can live. I mean, that just blows my mind. You know, as a sinner, I deserved punishment. The Bible says we deserve death, and we'll see that next week. And what God does is he says, you know what? I'll take that for you. Here's the good news. I'll take your place. 
I'll die so you don't have to. I'll die so you can live. That's the good news. We can't earn it. We can only accept it. Verse 17 says, this good news tells us how God makes us right in his sight. This is accomplished from start to finish by faith. Now, that faith part is where some people get hung up. Some people really have a, a difficult time in that moment of there's this faith thing. Some people are kind of scientific people, kind of scientific thinkers, analytical. They say, you know what? I really only believe things I can really see with my own eyes or get my hands on. There are other people who might call themselves atheists who say, you know what, I just don't even think there is a God. Or maybe you say, you know, I'm not even sure that we can ever know there really is a God. Or maybe you're a skeptic. And I think there's a lot of skeptics out there who really want to believe, but they just don't want to believe something if it's not real. They're not going to buy into, you know, they're just not going to drink the Kool-Aid if it's not a real deal. If you wrestle with issues of faith and are searching for real answers, I've got some recommendations for you, some books that I strongly encourage you to get and start reading. The first one is a book called The Case for Christ. It is written by a guy by the name of Lee Strobel. And Lee Strobel was a former skeptic. He was an investigative journalist with the Chicago Tribune, and his wife became a believer in Jesus. She gave her heart to Jesus. She responded to the good news. And he said, as a, a non-believer at that time, you know, I'm going to put my skills as an investigative journalist to the test. For two years, he studied Christianity in an attempt to disprove it. And after two years, he said, it takes more faith for me not to believe in Jesus than it does for me to believe in Jesus. So he gave his heart to Jesus and moved from being a skeptic to a committed follower of Christ. So I really encourage you, if you're one of those analytical thinkers and you want to dig deep in that subject of is Jesus really who he says he is, I encourage you to get this book, The Case for Christ. He also wrote another book called The Case for Faith that answers some really big questions that many of us ask. If there really is this loving God, how come there's so much evil and suffering in the world? Questions like that. He wrote that follow-up book, so I encourage you to get that. There's also another book called A Search for the Spiritual, Exploring Real Christianity by James Emery White. A great book if you want to know what it would look like for you to be in a personal relationship with Jesus and for you to respond to this good news, this would be a great resource for you. Now, I've listed all these resources on our Spiritual Growth Challenge, something that we give out to people every week. You can pick it up at our Connection Center, just a one-sheet paper, and then you can also download it from our website later today. I encourage you to get a hold of those. Now, the Bible is the story of God's good news for us, and that good news becomes active in our lives when we believe that Jesus, God in the flesh, died so we can live. It becomes released in our world. So do you believe that? Do you believe that Jesus died so you can live? Have you responded to that good news? It's the only way to experience God's power at work in your life. Now, I'm gonna extend an invitation. Anybody who would like to have a conversation uh, with me afterwards about issues of faith. If you're struggling in some issues of faith and you'd like to talk more about that, I'd love to talk with you this morning. And I'll just be hanging out up here. Just come find me and have a, a conversation with, with you about that. I'd love to talk more about that. Now, we have barely made it through verse 17 today. I encourage you to spend some time this week reading through Romans. 
read through chapter one, read through chapter two. Your assignment for next week is to read from chapter three to chapter six. And there is a lot. I got to warn you, there is a lot in there in those chapters. Uh, But again, we're going to be hitting the overall themes that, that come out of those chapters. So as you read, I encourage you to ask God to teach you. So one of the jobs of the Holy Spirit is to guide us into all truth. And so he teaches us as we read this stuff. So I encourage you, if you've come across something you're not familiar with, I don't know what to do with that, ask God to teach you what that means and stay engaged in what you're learning there. Now, um, I'm going to pray, and then I'm going to ask our worship team to come back out, and they're going to guide us in a closing song. If you need a Bible, please take one of our Bibles as our free gift to you. So let's pray together. God, I thank you so much for this incredible letter to the Romans. Lord, it really is a letter to us today of what it means to be in a real relationship with the creator of the universe. Lord, this good news, Romans is all about this good news that radically changes our lives. Lord, I just pray that this morning that we would be stirred to respond to that good news. So if there's someone here today who has never responded, Lord, I pray in this moment they would. I pray in this moment, maybe during this next song, they would fling the doors open to their heart and say, Jesus, I believe that you died so I can live. Lord, for those of us who are Christ followers, I pray that we would feel a sense of burden, a sense of obligation that Paul felt, that we owe it to everyone around us. We owe it to them to tell them about the good news that can radically change their lives. So Lord, as we read through Romans, I pray that we would just read deeply. I pray that we would not read above the stories that are there, but that we would find ourselves in them and we would be transformed by them. Teach us through your word, we pray. In Jesus' name, amen. My name's Cody Anderson, and I am the youth leader here for our Surge Youth Ministry, our student youth ministry. I'm going to have a few announcements for you before you head out for the day. Um, yesterday, we had a work day over at PC3, and we, had, we were over there painting, we were cleaning, doing landscaping, um, and we had over 102 people come out from both churches to be involved in that. So. And thank you for everybody that came out. Uh, it's so awesome to just put forth an effort and just totally invest into another church that has invested so much into us. And thank you for doing that. Um, And also we have something called the Spiritual Growth Challenge. And for anybody that would like to dive deeper into Romans, what we are studying today, uh, we have the Spiritual Growth Challenge where it has all the verses that we went over today. And it also has a handful of questions that will help you dive deeper and apply them um, out of the book of Romans. So if you'd like that, we have a copy of it, just like this, back at the Connection Center over in the corner. Or you can go on our website, which is theepicchurch.com under the resource tab. And you can go ahead and click on there and uh, download it off of there. And also we have a Lifeline, Lifeline uh, Ministries is going to be having a night of worship. So if you'd like to come out and uh, worship our God together through music, uh, Lifeline is, um, is going to be hosting the event, which is on June 21st at 5.30 p.m., and the cost is $5 for that. So they're going to be having uh, several bands uh, from churches around Flagler County. So just come out and support that. It's going to be a great night out to worship God. 
And then coming up, we have the 4th of July, which is only a couple weeks away. And Surge Youth Ministry is going to be putting a float in that parade. And we're going to be handing out tons of candy during the parade. And we don't want to run out at the end of the parade. We don't want to have that label as the people that ran out of candy. We want to keep on tossing it out to the kids, not them throwing it back at us or anything. So if, uh, if you'd like to help us out with that, we're going to have a table set up over by the Connection Center. Um, and if you could bring in non-chocolate, non-melting candies, that would be absolutely amazing. We'll go ahead and have a table set up where you can drop it off over there. And then also, um, if you call Epic your home and you'd like to invest in what Epic's doing here in the county, in the church, internationally, like over in Guatemala, like we have a team over, um, and you'd like to give towards us, um, there's two ways that you can give. You can give through our giving boxes in the back, or you can go ahead and give online at theepicchurch.com. And if you're new with us today, we ask that you just stop at the Connection Center on your way out. Um, They have a little packet for you that tells what the heartbeat of Epic is really about. And thank you for joining us today. Have a great week and say, say hi to somebody you don't know or don't know well. Have a great week, guys.